Good evening, everyone. Dave here, live from the shed. Tonight's guest is Kristen Nagel. Uh, many of you will know her. I'm sure certainly those who've uh, come to various freedom events and those who were in Ottawa would have heard her speak. Uh, she's been a very powerful spokesperson for this movement going uh, way back, and we're going to hear her whole story there tonight. Uh, she was an RN who spent most of her career working in uh, neonatal intensive care, uh, which just as a fun side note was actually my mother's favorite part of practice. My mother uh, is a retired RN and uh, used to work in neonatal intensive care and always found that to be a very fulfilling part of her job. And uh, so Kristen's going to speak to us about her experiences as a nurse and then what eventually led her to speak up against uh, these mandates and the increasing pressure to uh, force Canadians to take the jab. And then this this outspoken nature, her willingness to speak up on this very early on, eventually led to her dismissal and um, and she lost her job as a nurse. And um, yeah, she's been pushing back against that now. And then she went on to start an organization called Canadian Frontline Nurses. I see Christina has already put it there in the comments. I'll just pin that. And then if you look in the comments or the description in the video, you will see uh, her organization, Canadian Frontline Nurses. Uh, which has been uh, speaking up and bringing together nurses in a similar situation. Because as we know, this is not, you know, there's there's science and medicine on one side, and then there's all the, the crazy conspiracies on the other. Uh, no, there's plenty of people in medicine, in science, that uh, had had their concerns about this and continue to have their concerns about the narrative. And uh, Kristen is one of those people who've been speaking out about that and sharing her side uh, of this whole situation. And so looking forward uh, to hearing about that. I uh, just wanted to quickly highlight a uh, shout out to Derek Smith, uh, author of How the PM Stole Freedom, which is still sitting at number one today. Actually, the National Post released an article on that. And so that was great to see in some in one of the more mainstream outlets, as it were, How the PM Stole Freedom is still trending at number one on Amazon.ca. And you guys can check that out. You can see the video I just did before this and uh, hear from the author and get yourself a copy of How the Prime Minister Stole Freedom, number one best-selling book on Amazon.ca, which is really great to see. And then again, a reminder, I'll mention it more uh, after the interview, but uh, James Top is scheduled to arrive for June 30th in Ottawa, and we're all very much looking forward to his arrival. So it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead here and we will bring on Kristen Nagel. Good evening. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, this is great. I think um, I'm trying to remember when we first uh, met. I know we, we bumped into each other uh, in Ottawa, I believe. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've been running in the same circles for a while. So it's great to sit down and have this conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. No, I remember, I think we were heading into some, um, is it the trekking? I forget. One of the, at the Laurier or one of the big like hotels and kind of introduced myself to you then. And yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then led you down some like random streets in Toronto, got, got us lost, ran through some red lights and yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Well, we were trying to, uh, if you guys watch that video where we parked some of the trucks down in downtown Toronto. Um, I made the mistake of following uh, Kristen yeah. and she At made 2 30 right. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Tired. The, yeah. the truckers made a left and, and I was behind Kristen and I followed her and we ended up doing loops around downtown Toronto. 
<laughs> this is why I stay out of downtown Toronto. Yes. I'm not a big city guy, but we managed to find our way there eventually. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great event there in Toronto. So absolutely. So uh, don't don't follow your um, your traffic no. directions. That's the lesson I learned. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're, I'd, I'd love to start by just hearing a bit about your, your background. Uh, you're an RN, you practiced in neonatal intensive care and, uh, yeah, just tell us a, a bit about that and how you ended up becoming a nurse. Yeah. Well, I don't know, to be honest, it's kind of funny how I ended up becoming a nurse. Um, I wanted to go into environmental sciences, love the outdoors and adventure. And, um, but I was told that, you know, there's no money in that field and there's no jobs go into nursing. It's good money. You get to help people. It's rewarding and you can travel. And I was like, well, those sound like, you know, good features. So sign me up. So, um, it had been a very rewarding career. Um, I met the most amazing people and definitely, um, you know, families and connections um, that were made. I did travel a lot with it and it was fabulous. I spent my career um, about 12 out of the 14 years in the NICU. So I became very attached to those um, babies. Um, about when my first son was born, he's going to be seven um, in, a, in a couple of weeks. So about that time is um, I started to kind of question things, you know, you, you kind of do when you have your own kids and you realize, you know, that it's not just about you and you have to kind of think what's happening with them. And I started wondering about food because I realized um, it was my responsibility what was going to enter his um, mouth and said that his foundation for his growth, development, mood, behavior, all these things. And I felt that immense responsibility. And I started researching food and that was my door into the corruption. I say, we all enter a different door. We all end up at the same place. And mine was through um, the food system. So I became really passionate about um, baby's health and kids' health. And I enrolled at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, became a holistic nutritionist. And that was like, um, just set me running. Um, just became really passionate about health and then just kept kind of opening more doors and more doors. and. Let me kind of where what, I am what, now. what is holistic uh, nutrition? Just uh, define that for me. Yeah. Um, so we kind of look at the person as as a whole. We do base around a lot on food. It's living quality, whole, natural foods. Um, but we look at the person's lifestyle, their stress, their emotions, and how all of this is interconnected into their life and everything that they're experiencing. It's mind, body, spirit. It's not just allopathic where they just look at the symptom and treat that. They actually get to like the root cause of an illness um, through many different factors in the person's life. And uh, a big factor of that being a holistic nutritionist is the food component. Mm. And yeah. And so look, looking at, at, at what goes into our bodies and, and how that affects so many parts of our life. And I find it interesting actually with the, so I actually used to work at a, a feed mill. So I helped with uh, processing animal feed and I was blown away with the amount of work that and 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 study that went into every gram of of every component of the food that went into uh, the animals. So I had no idea till I worked at a feed mill that you could get a PhD in swine nutrition. So it's not just a PhD in animal nutrition; it's a PhD in swine nutrition. And so every every last gram of the food that went into these animals was calculated out and figured out how uh, that you know, the ideal ratios of the vitamins and the proteins and everything for that animal. And I thought, my goodness, if, if someone, if someone uh, took this good care of me and what I'm eating, uh, what more could it, could it do uh, for us? So presumably that that's part of that work of figuring out um, the ideal amounts of these different foods and how that affects our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, maybe not down to like quite like that, you know, specific, but, but yes. And just our relationship with food, how we view it and just realizing that, we, you know, it's a connection piece that we have that's been lost. So, you know, we don't know where our food's coming from, who's prepared it, where it's grown, what it even looks like. A lot of people don't even know what their food looks like um, when it's growing. Um, so that disconnect with our food, you know, goes into a bunch of other aspects of our life uh, as well. We're just very disconnected beings these days. <laughs> and then when did you go on to become an RN? When, when did that come into play? Um, an RN? Well, I was an RN in 2006. Um, this was another um, piece that I went back to school for um, okay. while I was an RN. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're an RN and then uh, a holistic nutritionist as well. And um, and then how did it... Add so the the pandemic when when did that start to uh come into your radar as it were when so for most of us it was kind of uh march or so of uh, uh 2019 i guess it was uh where where things started to uh we march started 2020 take, yeah or sorry 2020 yeah where we started to take notice of this but as i understand it, you had some concerns uh, beforehand and you were seeing things behind the scenes that we didn't. So, so tell us about that. When, when did this whole pandemic thing start to come on your radar? Mm -hmm. Well, as I mentioned with like my son learning about food and that was my door and I kept going because all of a sudden I became like super passionate and aware of what he was eating and made a lot of changes in our, in our home. That was the same with like products and things like that. Um, you know, that I was putting on his skin or, you know, things that we're using in our home. Um, and then I realized that I was never taught in nursing um, what was in injections. So here I am all concerned what's going on his skin, what he's eating. And then I have no idea what he's being injected with. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, this isn't right. Like I, I should know this and we're not taught this in nursing. Um, so I started, we're not even taught really the diseases of what they're for. Um, just the names of them, you know, it's the best medical intervention ever made. So I started to research that because I was like, I was guilted by my pediatrician um, to move forward when I was starting to have questions and that mom guilt came over me. And I thought when I walked out of there, I was like, I'm never going to allow someone to pers persuade me again. Like I'm either confident yes or confident no, but it has to come from my um, understanding and, and research. So I dove into it um, as I do, like just consumed myself with information, learned about the diseases, the adjuvants, the mechanism. And that led to finding Dr. Thomas Cowan and some others speaking out about um, childhood immunizations and learning about that viruses really aren't what we've been told they are. Um, and learning about germ theory versus terrain and then the contagion myth. And so that's important to note because when they started talking about this crazy virus in Wuhan in you know, December of 2019, I was like, oh no, um, th this is not um, what they're saying it is. I knew that they were gonna try, they've been trying to mandate um, more injections on children and I knew the next one they were gonna do was mandated on adults, but I didn't know how. Um, so when I saw Wuhan come up, I was like, this is how they're gonna mandate it on adults. So I started speaking out early on and actually, I'd already been in trouble with my College of Nurses in 2018 for speaking up about childhood immunizations. And um, I told them that if they ever come after my kids again and try to mandate something, there's nothing that's going to stop me from speaking out. I didn't know it was going to be so soon. So I kind of like mm. foreshadowed myself speaking out. Um, so yeah, so that that's how I kind of started um, blowing the whistle right away. I, I knew what it what. 
I knew what they were trying to do um, with mandating adult injections, but I didn't know really until after like the grand scheme of how big it was as well and all the other things that entailed until, you know, March. And I started really diving deeper into that as well. Right. And so, and from what I'm understanding, your, your big concern with your own children was that, and basically don't, don't force things upon them and, and let, uh, let me work this out and figure out what's, what's best for, for my children. And so you had some big red flags with this ongoing pressure to, to mandate uh, certain things that the children be forced to do. And then you had concerns that they were going to start moving this beyond children into adults. And, and then obviously your concerns came to fruition. You know, I've, I've seen a meme going around that has like uh, conspiracy theory on one side and reality on the other. And it, it uh, you know, it, it keeps checking up for the, the conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> they keep earning points along the way. And so obviously many people would have labeled you from the beginning of, oh, that's all conspiracy. They're not going to try to force something upon people. And uh, and then you, you obviously watch that unfold. Uh, before your eyes. And so when, when did you start kind of speaking up um, about well, that, about this virus specifically? Yeah. Um, well, I was social media and at work, like, uh, like I said, at the start, so December, 2019, and then I kept getting louder and louder, especially March of 2020, when they shut everything down and when they slapped the masks back on nurses. Because in 2018, 2015, 2018, in BC and Ontario, we had just fought these mandates because it was either um, you get the flu shot or you have to wear a mask during the entire, um, I say flu season because I don't believe in it. But anyways, that's a whole other conversation. But yes, you had to wear a mask during that whole time. And our union fought for us and we just, and we won. We won the battle. We had been like waiting for that for years. And then all of a sudden, um, well, because our union proved that it doesn't stop transmission and that it that it's discriminatory. And then all of a sudden here we are in March and they're just like just putting it back on their face. And I was like, we just we just fought for years for this. And you're just willing just to sacrifice all that and just knowing that it doesn't do anything. Um, so definitely spoke out louder than especially when lockdowns were happening, kids were being sent home from school, um, this over sanitization, and I was starting to get you know, calls from parents and seeing the harms that were that were happening. Um, I guess I had I've been speaking very loudly on social media and at work and getting in trouble from colleagues and comments and people, you know, writing and seeing what I was saying um, on social media. I had an opportunity in September of 2020 to speak at City Hall about the mask mandates on children. And I thought, okay, it's finally an opportunity to put my words into action. So I went and spoke at City Hall um, against the masks on children. And little did I know how many people actually wanted their children masked. Um, that is when the mm -hmm. first wave of um, reports um, went in about me. Um, the kind of first little media for in my hometown um, hit. And um, but with that, parents were seeking me out and they were telling me the harms that were happening with their six year old trying to commit suicide, talking about wanting to die, pretending to cut themselves with credit cards, um, hating their lives. Just um, I, I was just getting um, horrific stories. And I was like, I, I need to do something for these children. So um, continue to speak out, um, which led me um, organizing a freedom rally in November with um, a girlfriend of mine. Um, of November of uh, 2020, I had just been 
suspended prior to that rally for five or six days because my colleagues were bullying me out. That's um, and what was uh, the reason for that suspension that they gave you? They told management that I was not wearing my proper PPE because when I would sit down alone to chart on my computer screen, I'd put my goggles on my head or I'd pull the mask down here while I was alone. And, you know, many of the reports kind of talked about how I had my goggles on my head. So apparently they were terrified that something was going to excrete from my eyes and make them sick. Presumably, especially the goggles, that's just what they'd argue for your own safety. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah, it's not like you're shooting. You can't spit from your eyes last no, time I checked. I think there was me. someone in Guinness World Records who could do that. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but your, average, right. <laughs> your average person uh, can't do that. So No, no. So I was, um, I was suspended um, because of colleagues' reports because um, they knew I was going to rallies and they knew outside of work I was not participating in the lie. I was not wearing masks. I was not social distancing. I had never stopped my life. We're always around people. Um, and then I'd come into work and I'd always wear like the, the mask, but they did, they knew what I was doing outside of work and that made them very uncomfortable. So they had to put in these reports about me and um, they worked, they got me suspended. Um, but then I decided I was gonna carry on and host this freedom rally with my girlfriend. And it was um, London's first biggest rally. It was a huge success. Um, it was amazing, um, but I was naive in what the media was going to do. I knew that, you know, there would be repercussions from work. I knew there'd be repercussions from, you know, people, comments on social media, all these things. But um, I was so naive to what the media was capable of. And they, um, they destroyed um, my entire reputation, my character, my career. Um, you know, the, the label was LHSC nurse in hot water um, for putting premature babies at risk. And then mm -hmm. the article continued to go on saying how it was dangerous, reckless, and all, you know, the, the slanderous things they could say. Um, so that was huge. That, um, that, that destroyed me um, back then. It was, it was very difficult to, um, to go through um, and read people's comments, especially, you know, in the community. I was quite involved here. And, um, yeah, so that was the first big media um, and prior to that, in, in your years of doing neonatal intensive care, had you ever faced, faced discipline or, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I presumed as such, but um, no, no indication that, that you weren't caring for these children. And I mean, it's from, from having met you personally, it's just so um, it's just laughable to say that, that you would like knowingly, willingly uh, put uh you know, a, a young baby's life in the way. And when, when this was something you were very passionate about, and I know too, like I said, with my, my mother doing this work, there's, there's something very powerful about this work of journeying through with, with a baby who's suffering and, and, and it, it consumes you. And she said it was, mm -hmm. it was her hardest work, but it was her favorite work too, of, of being able to save the, the lives of the most vulnerable. And, and I know that's something that, that you care deeply about as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I loved my babies and the families and the relationships I was able to create. I loved witnessing their first moments as little as, you know, um, a first diaper change or, you know, the first cuddles, the first like even feedings, like all, all these things being able there, able to experience and support the families through this was such a, a blessing and a gift. And it broke my heart because I was speaking out to help them because I'm as nurses, you know, we talk about informed consent being gone now. Um, there was no informed consent. Informed consent is is um, is a myth. It has never existed. 
Um, because, you know, either is critical thinking, because critical thinking means thinking inside their box. As soon as you start to go outside of it, um, you know, you're, you're disciplined or looked at funny or, or whatever. Um, I started, you know, even questioning things in my unit. So we have our 23 week old babies and uh, 60 days of life, they're receiving their first immunizations. They're not even full term yet. So here they are, you know, 60 days been in the hospital, they're bigger, they're getting closer to going home, they receive their two month immunizations, and they go back on intensive um, breathing support. And when you bring this up, um, you know, to ask about, you know, like, do you think, like, should we be looking at this, like, they're very vulnerable, maybe this is too much, um, you're just looked at as, as crazy. And here I am just trying to just help them and try to provide um, education to the parents in a way that I could, that, you know, I was allowed to without getting in trouble then, but. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so you said you started, you organized some, some protests there and you were already placed on a leave of absence and presumably taking part in a protest uh, escalated uh, that and, and, and so what, what happened then after that, after your, you were <laughs> put on a, a suspension for a while and then what happened? Um, so then I was suspended indefinitely placed under investigation by the college of nurses and, uh, investigation for what to revoke my license. Mm -hmm. And what was it based on? What were they accusing you of professional misconduct mm -hmm. and misinformation and all, all those things. Um, so I, I had moments of um, like I was broken, um, especially because reading reports, um, some people left their names on them. Um, so I got to see who was sending them in and um, it, 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 it was awful. But I had a moment where, you know, I could let this destroy me and stop or I could, you know, pick myself back up and pick the pieces back up and keep going. And fortunately, at that time, I had just been in contact with a nurse from Toronto, who is now um, one of my dearest friends, Sarah Shajunian, who had just spoken out a month earlier or a few weeks earlier in Toronto. And I got in contact again with her. Um, we found two other nurses in New York that had spoken out um, May prior to us, um, Nurse Erin, Nicole Siratek. Um, and reached out to them because they were quite public. You know, uh, Nurse Erin did her expose um, about what she was seeing at Elmhurst Hospital, um, you know, snuck the cameras in. It was, you know, Nicole did um, her viral video about them murdering patients. So I reached out to them and we tried to gather more nurses for across Canada, across the states, and we were going to put together a summit. And so that turned into global frontline nurses. We were trying to gather as many nurses as we could. And we ended up organizing an event. It just fell into place um, in Washington, D.C. So Sarah and I flew to Washington um, to speak on stage with four other American nurses that are across like, the country, somewhere from the West, the East, um, just sharing, you know, in, in different, all different areas, sharing our same concerns of what we're seeing, the harms of lockdowns, the harms of the mandates, um, the, you know, the harms within the hospitals, um, the, um, medical negligence that we're seeing, um, you know, the, the patient, like basically the murder happening. Uh, and we all were sharing the same sentiments, um, you know, even knowing we're in different fields in different countries. That just so happened to fall on January 6th. Um, so even though we were speaking on stage at the Supreme Court with people like Del Bigtree, Mickey Willis, um, Kevin Jenkins, um, David Martin was actually even there. It was an amazing day, an amazing event. Um, 
we had headed back to our hotel um, by the time things were happening. I actually didn't even know what was going on. My husband called me to make sure I was okay. And I was like, yeah, we're heading back to the hotel room. There's a lot of noise. I don't know what's going on. And he had to fill me in. Um, <laughs> so we turned it on when we got back to the hotel room um, and just kind of kept updated. But um, upon our return home um, the next day, we were deemed um, domestic terrorists um, and flagged for the FBI and the RCMP. And, and who knows what else, we were defamed internationally this time on all major um, media and news outlets across the world, um, particularly myself, um, because I think I had already been in the media before. Um, we had the RCMP show up at our house. They wanted to know our involvement in the rioting and the storming of the Capitol. Um, I have three. And again, just to be clear, it, it just was totally coincidental that that you happened to be doing this on the same day that the the whole uh, thing with the capital happened. I yes, I think the the stage that was organized it was a health and freedom stage. I think they wanted to take advantage of the large amount of crowds that we would be able to right. speak so to. So people are all in the capital anyway. So let's do something to support our cause. Yes, um, it was at the Supreme Court. It was different, but yes, I think they wanted to take advantage of the mass amount of people there to speak to speak truth. Right. Um, but honestly, like our, us two Canadians, I I honestly had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like, I didn't know, so I was I was naive in, into that it, as well. But yes, we did have the RCMP show up at our house. They wanted to know our involvement. Um, yeah, domestic terrorists, like all that stuff. And I have three colleges nursing colleges and pre-health colleges that I know that um, were teaching about me and saying what not to do. Um, this Kristen Nagel storming and riding in the capitals, teaching their nursing students about what to do. And still to this day, I just heard another story that they have to do a paper on Kristen Nagel at George Brown College, whether or not I'm a conspiracy theorist or not. And one oh, student- doing a paper of you. Yes, and one student actually um, defended and agreed with what I was doing, and she got kicked out of the class. Of course, she did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Heaven forbid you disagree with a professor. That that would be uh, ridiculous. I this the more stories I hear, I am severely concerned about the the intelligence that our RCMP has, and it it because like in Ottawa too of of um the people that they would interrogate i i know a, another streamer who rcmp showed up at his door and was questioning him and it's like what the buddy's like he's out there filming stuff trying to get youtube hits how on earth are the rcmp wasting their time uh with this and uh yeah i i mean we saw an article come out about veterans for freedom and mm -hmm. you know all this fear of that the veterans for freedom are some like secret anti-government group of uh veterans and it's like, man, are you guys just intentionally lying or is your intelligence like so bad that you don't actually know what's going on? Like maybe start just by calling these people and <laughs> asking them uh, what's going on before you open like a full out investigation against them. But it, it seems like they have their idea about who you are and who these people are. And then they they just run with that instead of actually doing any amount of, of research. So, OK, so Kristen Nagel. Uh, domestic terrorists, <laughs> and then and then how did that go after the RCP started interrogating you? Um, I don't know. I guess they like took our word for it. They came to Sarah's house as well, and and that's been it. But I know that you know we're we're flagged. Things are happening. Um, that was another level of hate. The amount of hate I got after the first one November, then this one being international. 
the amount of just attacks coming in from every angle of whatever platform I was on was um, incredibly intense and just um, even from people in my community or people, it was, you know, that stuff people forget about too, especially, you know, I know that we all like have had horrific stories with this, with speaking truth, but um, definitely to be on such a public level, it, it's, it's a whole other level of what people think they can say, right? Like the keyboard warriors behind, behind these screens. Hmm. Um, so Sarah and I, same thing. Um, we could have, you know, stopped and let the hate get to us. But the amazing thing that happened with that is because it was international, people could find us now because there's other people out there that were thinking the same thing, feeling the same way, but didn't know who else was out there. So this international hate coverage, this slander actually brought a wave of people towards us. So once the hate stopped, this wave of positivity and love and encouragement and support came after it and totally like lifted Sarah and I up and reminded us of what we're doing and our, our purpose. And that is when Canadian Frontline Nurses was formed. Um, we held um, a press release back um, end of January was kind of the first ones we had, you know, Dr. Malthouse was on there, Patrick Phillips, um, a few other um, doctors and nurses, you know, that were just sharing, you know, concerns and, um, you know, speaking truth. And we, we tried to put it together as best as we could on a very short period of time. So we did that the end of January. And then, um, and then we just kept going, we kept um, speaking out at different rallies, different events, and trying to organize, um, bring nurses together across the country, we'd have, you know, we set up a, a zoom call, a weekly zoom call to bring nurses together to let them know they're not alone and to vent and share. And um, yeah, and then I guess we just kept doing that for a long time. We traveled across Canada um, out west last summer to speak um, wherever to bring awareness. We did Q and A's across the country. And then September 1st, when they were making the, the health mandates on um, the healthcare workers, we had one of our nurses want to do a rally at the hospital in BC. And we thought, well, we just traveled across um, the country and have all these connections. Let's make it national. So on September 1st, we made a national um, rally. Um, it was a walkout protest um, for the healthcare workers, you know, with these um, mandates, these discriminatory mandates that were being pushed on them. And it was incredibly successful. Like Vancouver had 10,000 people show up to their hospital at um, mm -hmm. that rally. It was the biggest rally numbers that people had seen in their cities, like the Maritimes. Um, they had like thousands of people show up in New Brunswick, like these small places like Sudbury, um, you know, all these like smaller um, places up Northern Ontario, like people showed up for this one. And because it was, yeah, someone says that rally was massive. Yes. And because it was so successful, they planted in, in Vancouver, this ambulance. And I know people have the actual stories of what it was, but it was because um, they, they orchestrated what looked like a crowd of people stopping this ambulance, which is <laughs> so not what happened. Classic. Yeah. And it's a, it's, you know, one of the like infamous pictures of yeah. that whole um, event um, and totally lied about totally orchestrated because i know from there's ten thousand people there ten thousand people that saw the truth and we got too many of those stories about what happened and so of course the same lie it, it started in bc but it's amazing the script is the same right all across the country um ambulance access was impeded so we interfered with ambulance access 
um, we interfered with specifically cancer patients getting their treatments and we assaulted and attacked healthcare workers. Oh, of course so, you did. You're, you're a terrorist. I, I expect nothing three, less. Those were the three things that apparently happened at all the rallies across the entire country. Yeah. Was it funded by the Russians too? Probably. <laughs> oh, I, it's like I've heard this narrative a few times. You know, they need to get more creative. I think the government needs to hire some like Marvel writers or something to kind of mix up the yeah. script, you know, bring in bring in some new plot lines. Because this is really the same thing in, in Ottawa. And well, so exactly. I, yeah, I wasn't a part of uh, this. But yeah, it it's you could basically describe Ottawa in the same way. Yeah, we're blocking... Uh, we were blocking the ambulance. Well, I knew it. Like I had already been like, you know, accustomed. I was like, oh, I know what you guys are doing. You already did this to us. Like come up with something different. <laughs> like, because I, I interviewed someone from City News Toronto wanted to interview me while I was in Ottawa because I knew as a nurse and part of all this um, because they had spun the story so much. Because remember when they had the out um, shoots of events, like Toronto was doing their own um, convoy um, yeah. and kind of like shutting things down in Toronto. Um, so they made it that like healthcare workers should be concerned. They should make sure to wear street clothes as they walk to work to make sure they're not targeted. And I had to be interviewed on city news to talk about if healthcare workers should actually be worried about going into work. Worried about what? Getting attacked by us vicious people. Oh, it's, it's just like, it's hard to even take this stuff seriously because it's so ridiculous. I remember seeing that interview. Yeah. With someone on CTV and she's dead serious. She's like, yeah, today I had to put on street clothes. And like, oh, first off, what are street clothes? I don't know what you normally wear to work. Identified me as a healthcare worker. It's like, like, like what were they going to do? Buy you a coffee? Like, I will say hi and give you one of our muffins that we're handing out on the, you know, with the coffee. Exactly. Like that's yeah. what it was. It's like, come say hello. Like we are literally your neighbors, like your everyday Canadians. Like it's just insane to me what they do. And I did see in the comments about, you know, that how much the BC media lied, like it was so bad in BC that like I was destroyed. You saw some of those articles. And I thought the hate was bad. You know, it kept getting worse. I thought the hate was bad my first one, November. Then I thought the hate was bad in uh, after DC. This was the worst one by far. We got spammed just in our email alone of 3,000 hate emails. Um, and then never mind all the other places. They doxed our, um, our home addresses. They wanted people protesting on outside of our houses, um, you know, making threats to our, our livelihoods, um, our children, trying to send people on us to like, hurt us like you know because they they put that in they pulled in people's heartstrings that we were interfering with life or death like cancer treatments like in it was just so crazy to the point and I don't know if you noticed this in the connection so we did it again and I wasn't going to but I was encouraged by another doctor who said it was so successful these targeted protests you have to keep doing it you have to do it again and I was like I don't know if I can and he's like no you have to the problem with doing it again, and I know we're going to, this will come back when we talk about Ottawa. Um, the problem with doing it again is the media is ready. Not only is the media ready, their plants are ready. Their orchestrated um, lies, theater, they're, they're ready. So we did it again September 13th. Same thing. This time we were trying to host um, like a silent vigil to make it look like we're bringing, you know, flowers in honor of, you know, lost loved ones or, you know, our, our mourning of whatever grief we're going through. Um, definitely smaller numbers because the media was so evil. It scared even 
like our side of like-minded people, they couldn't get behind going to the hospital again. Mm. Um, so it did kind of divide. It was, it, it got messy. Alberta had um, Antifa show up and create um, a terrible scene with their m music and attacks and fighting. Um, it was brutal. Even you know, Sarah got attacked by just, no, I shouldn't say attacked, bombarded with media in Toronto, just swarmed by media in Toronto. Um, I was in London, um, media was out. Um, but anyways, it was, um, it was crazy. Um, how the, you watching the theater unravel, but where is, I almost lost my train of thought where I was going with that is now there's a law. And I don't know if you saw this, that it is illegal. It's a criminal offense to protest in front of a hospital. Um, yeah, the most amazing thing about that though, is unless it's supported by a union, because um, shortly before we did ours, all the union workers were out protesting for more money in front of the hospitals. And then in Alberta, they were also protesting in front of the hospitals led by uh, this doctor. His name will come up because he is the worst. Um, more restrictions and more masks, mandates and all this stuff. And that was allowed at the hospital. So it's interesting now that it is now a criminal offense to be outside of the hospital. Yeah. And I'm surprised that more of these, I mean, I'm super disappointed as I'm sure you are with, with unions as a whole, because I think oh, they are the worst. Um, if they really cared about people and cared about protecting their workers, then this would be an obvious thing to support because there's thousands of workers in these unions that are being denied uh, ability to work and being mistreated unfairly by their employers. I mean, this, you would think this is where the unions would come in to shine and they're even being told where they can and can't protest. I mean, yeah. I, you would have thought that that's where the unions would, uh, you know, they, they'd blow a lid, but somehow, um, yeah, they, they appear to just be all in bed with the media and whatnot. I, I, I don't understand, but it's clearly not, uh, in the best interest of, of workers yeah. at all. It's very disturbing to see. And I just want to thank, uh, Ray K and Adam Baum, there for for the super chat appreciate that and uh ray k i don't know if you saw the comment come up there but he says thank you for your courage and uh service Kristen." so there you go you've got lots of fans <laughs> in here and uh, uh i i hope you felt supported even as you're getting attacked and whatnot and you know one of the great things of, of these different organizations and coming together for these rallies is I, you were getting bombarded by these keyboard warriors, but I'm sure you've met many wonderful people in real life no, who the are, best. Encu yeah. are encouraged by what you're doing as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I want to just highlight. So you're, you talked about Canadian frontline workers here. I'm just going to do a quick run through your website. Maybe you can walk us uh, through this and just tell us a bit about what you guys do. So this is their website here. I just want to highlight Canadian frontline nurses.ca uh, there is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. And uh, and then you have here become a member. So what's all in what kind of members are you looking for? Or who's that open to? Yeah. So we're trying to create a new framework of health. And like, let's be honest, like I was a nurse of 14 years, you know, so was Sarah. Um, we don't know what we're doing. We just know that we're trying to take action steps in and move forward. And we thought the best way to do this was trying to gather people uh, online and make connections. And hopefully that'll grow into so much more. So we wanted to, you know, as it says, connect communities with care. And we have a database of nurses all across Canada um, on this website. And so nurses register and they get, you know, put on this on the website um, with their specialties, mental health, 
um, you know, health and wellness, like a holistic approach, um, palliative, um, pediatrics, and, and things like that. So when you're become a member, it's $50 for the year, and you have access to all these nurses um, behind the scenes. And we did this for two reasons, um, to protect the nurses and their names that are out there. So it's not just like free information everywhere, um, right. because we are a little bit forward thinking and a little bit different from conventional and mainstream nursing. We're right, you're domestic you know, terrorists like we already yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's yeah. there's a lot of nurses on here that you know specialize in, in nutrition, even you know um, cannabis support, um, um, energy work, home homeopathy. You know, just really like more. This is what we want too: is more natural, uh, a more natural approach, um, preventative care, and getting to the root cause. And that's what a lot of these nurses are um, are are doing now as well. And so we also want to encourage people to become active participants in their health journey. So the nurses are the only person that can heal, treat and cure is the individual themselves. The nurses are here to guide and help them along their, their journey. Um, but it's the individual that has to take complete responsibility of their themselves and their, their health. Um, so we are kind of shifting the mindset moving, moving forward. Um, and so with those, um, membership fees, and that's also the other thing why we had to do that is because it is costing us money to host these things. As you know, um, we had to hire someone to help us behind the scenes to do administration work. Plus, you know, the website, there's just, there's just costs, unfortunately, that you can't, um, get away from. Um, we also host, um, webinars, um, courses, discounts. Um, and just trying to really put out a lot of, um, you know, education that's accessible at the fingertips. And then we're hoping with that, that we can take that and, and, and grow it. We have a couple um, fall events coming up that are going to be in person, um, you know, where nurses will have booths and they can, you know, showcase their specialties and their expertise and the public can come and meet them and create those in-person connections as well. So look Great. forward to those um um, in, in the fall for in, in person, in person events. And then, so that that's with the public and then tell us about the, the nurses corner for, for people who are nurses and uh, what all, is it just RNs or what all does this include and who does this involve? Yeah, right now it's RNs, RPN, RPNs. It's just, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's right now we just wanted to start with, you know, we're Canadian friendly nurses. So we're starting with the nurses and I know there's so many, trust me, I'm a holistic nutritionist. So I know there's so many different um, alternatives of care out there, but it, it, it is an overwhelming task um, I'm creating this. So it's RNs and RPNs, MPs um, can, can join the nurses corner. And that just kind of allows the opportunity that, you know, um, you can come on, be a guest speaker on our Monday night Zoom calls. Um, we'll promote what you do. We will try to make these connections um, for you, um, and you know, to hopefully be hired by members of the the public for for care. Uh, Amanda Forbes is probably the best spokesperson for this. Um, there is like a mini documentary out um, by Camera Citizen of her experience with this. So her dad suffered a severe stroke. Um, mm-hmm. while flying to Mexico, um, had to come back home and the hospital, like, I'm just gonna, there's a really short story. The hospital basically was killing him and trying to mm-hmm. kill him. Um, she's like, I can't have this anymore. I don't know what I'm doing, but I just know that he has to come home. So she brought him home, um, not knowing how she was going to care for him or what she was going to do, found nurses through, you know, through us, 
um, our, our platforms and just people that we were able to connect her with. And she has been um, caring for him at home um, and just the, um, just his journey has been absolutely incredible of the progress and how he's been coming along. And, you know, it's, I can't imagine the, just the strength that Amanda has to, to go through this, but her dad as well. And anyway, she's, there is a, a short documentary out on her story and it's quite powerful to see what we're capable of doing in the home. And that's what we're trying to do too, is connecting communities with care, but getting, you know, care back into the homes from birth, palliative and everything in between, because we do have this power within us. It's just been, um, it's just been taken out of us as they've made us into victims. Yeah. And it, it's important to remember, I mean, I've seen the comparisons drawn before that it wasn't too long ago that, you know, there were, there were media advertisements that said, you know, this was the number one most recommended cigarette uh, by doctors or something like that. And so for people to just jump and say, well, you can't question uh, this person. For one, not all the doctors are in, in agreement on this. And even if they say, oh, look, the majority uh, agree with this. I mean, it's still important for individuals to to use their own minds and make their own decision because I, sh- I bet there was someone out there who was looking at people hacking on cigarettes and said, I don't think that that looks like the best thing for your body, whatever my doctor says. And uh, and so it, it's not I'm not trying to draw direct comparisons other than the comparison that people can make mistakes. And so mm-hmm. this is why we have a free society. This is why we have open dialogue. Uh, I, you're not saying that, you know, 100 percent the truth about the universe. And I'm not saying that either. But this is why we need to have these dialogues. We need to be in communication and we need to allow people to make those decisions because science is, is not kind of some one universal thing. It's, it's constantly in motion and, and changing and, and being, uh, being questioned and reevaluated. And uh, it's not some kind of uh, religious doctrine that is unchanging for eternity. And so it's important that we have the ability to ask these questions. Um, Seize the Day asks, uh, has she lost her license Hope that's not a rude question. I, I was curious about that too. Did they take away your license or where's that at? I have not. Um, Good. So I think that's awesome um, that it has not. It's still ongoing, but I mean, I've been under investigation since November, 2020. So I, mm. I think that kind of says a lot in itself. So I am still technically an RN. I did re-register for this year and I have an active license for this year. Yeah, good. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, yeah, encourage you guys there too to, to check out Canadian Frontline Nurses when you get a chance. Is there anything else I should highlight on the website there? I saw you have Nurses Log. Is that like a, a blog? Oh yeah, it's our blog. I think we're just trying to get, get it going. Um, okay. Yeah, so we found it was very hard. Sarah and I had been like boots on the ground and you know just out there for so long that it was hard to kind of do some of this background work. But um, we're now kind of getting um, a better groove and hopefully you'll see more blogs. Um, we got our first newsletter from this new website out. Um, and so we're looking forward to, you know, getting more information out that way. And, and Sarah's initiative. Um, I hope that you get a chance to talk to Sarah because she's doing amazing work with her lighting up dark corners um, with her mental health initiative and really helping people um, heal and rise. And it's, it, it's, it's actually really powerful, incredible work what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you for the super chat there. Unacceptable views. Is that unacceptable views? Is that the documentary? That's uh, I believe that's a documentary that's that's in the works. So mm-hmm. it, it is great to see so many different 
groups coming forward and, uh, and, and bringing awareness on this. I mean, I've said before, some of the things I'm talking about, you know, I would have been deleted six months ago and the world tried to delete you <laughs> to the best of their efforts. And so good for you for, I mean, I've often said about people like yourself that you set the stage for, for people like me and so many others to, to be able to stand up and, and speak. And so uh, thanks so much uh, for your bravery in that. I, I did want a, a quick highlight because, um, yeah, I know you're not going to shamelessly uh, plug in the same way, but uh, Canadian Frontline Nurses, look, they do also have some cool uh, merch there. I like this one, Faith Over Fear, and uh, a few other neat brands there. So that's another way you could uh, support the work they're doing. And there is a donate link there for them. And then um, is this this is going towards kind of logistics and your back end stuff to, to run what you're doing and try to build this network of like minded nurses? Yeah, exactly. And just different events that we're trying to run and put together. The, um, I'm not going on this trip, but the nurses are traveling east this summer. Last year, we went all the way west to Vancouver Island and back. Um, but so this summer, they, for three weeks, they're going out um, to the, the Maritimes. Um, just to speak about, you know, this new framework and the website and just bring awareness um, over there. One of our, our nurses, Cindy um, McDonald, she's been um, speaking out as well since the very beginning. So they're looking forward to connecting with her. She has started her own um, Fredericton Wellness Hubs um, over there as well. She even went to her first birth, helping, you know, women birth at home. And so it's been very, very exciting work that she's doing there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it's interesting, all these... Um... Uh, I've been exposed to a whole new world of, of people. And I've mentioned this before in this freedom movement, because there's this stereotype that, oh, it's a bunch of like, uh, you know, old fashioned conservatives and, and whatnot. And uh, I mean, it, there's a lot of people I meet who struggle with this label of conservative because that's not something they ever saw themselves at. There's, there's a lot of people uh, in, the in like into naturopathy and into alternative forms of medicine and like i said before i received uh, it's not within reach here right now but i received some like healing rocks for the first time and all new things for me that i'd never uh been exposed to and it, to try to paint this movement with like one broad brush is uh is really frustrated to be because for those of us who are in it there's so many different perspectives and viewpoints and and i've been really encouraged by meeting people of all different viewpoints and to, to try to lock someone into one spot. For example, um, I was born at home and, and both of my brothers were as well. And my, my mother's a nurse and my father's a chiropractor, both in medicine. And uh, they and my mother especially felt more comfortable at home uh, than she did in, in the hospital and uh, had some great uh, care uh, from the, uh, sorry, I'm blanking. What's the, what's the term of the, the midwives who, who help with that and such? And uh, and so these people who jump to conclusions about, oh, these people are anti-medicine or anti-not. I mean, my my parents both worked in medicine and their whole lives. And and yet they chose personally that they felt uh, safer at home uh, doing a birth. And, and to start making rules about these things of what you are or are, aren't allowed to do is uh, is is very concerning <laughs> to me and to try to categorize everyone with one broad brush is a very dangerous practice for our government to get into. And so absolutely, obviously, uh, obviously you uh, agree. And many of my viewers <laughs> will as well. Um, what, um, yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about Ottawa and your experiences there. So a lot of this was all got started before 
Ottawa. And so you were involved in this really early on. And then how did you hear about the the convoy and when did you kind of get plugged in with that? Because I know you spoke up on the stage and you, you were a part of uh, uh, that movement. And so how did you get plugged in with that? Yeah, it's interesting because I think someone even like from Unity Canada had like, you know, reached out to us and like, can we put your logo on our website? And I was like, yeah, sure. And they're trying to tell me what was going on. But I didn't really, I didn't really know. Um, I don't know if it just was, I wasn't finding the right, you know, dialogue or information about it. It wasn't until um, I kept hearing little things, but I wasn't understanding what was what was happening. Um, we had a freedom rally. It was worldwide demonstration day. And so in, in London, we had ours and one of the truckers um, spoke. Um, it just so happened to fall on January 22nd. So um, Dennis spoke and explained what was happening. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Like I get to ask him questions and get a better, you know, understanding of this. And I was like, I don't get what's happening with Windsor and Sarnia and Southern Ontario. And then what's happening with the West. And, um, so he's like, well, it's going to take obviously the West coast, um, much longer, um, to arrive in Ottawa. So until they get here, we're doing like rolling, um, convoys around the borders you know, starting, you know, Windsor and Sarnia and these places. And he's like, then we're all going to leave and make our way down and join everyone on this Saturday. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Um, so I went home and I was like, okay, to my husband, I was like, okay, tomorrow we need to be part of this Windsor convoy. I don't really know what's happening, but people are meeting at the, the Flying J in London, at, you know, seven in the morning. I think we have to be a part of it. Um, so we kind of like got things ready that evening, left early in the morning. And there was like one other car in London and I was like, oh, did I make a mistake? Like, what's happening? And <laughs> so we drove, it was about, you know, it's uh, an hour and a half, almost two hours. And then we get to the one truck stop where they were starting and it was just full, full of cars, trucks, and then the big rigs. And I was like, oh my gosh, just all of a sudden just hit with this wave of just like hope and this is amazing this is big like something is happening here um and maybe, I, I'm, maybe I'm not crazy eh? <laughs> yeah yeah and I was like okay this is something and you know and I think we were all feeling it like um definitely was getting exhausted like what are we gonna do and um this you know huge pickup you know after you know trying to do it all this stuff for two years and all these big events and rallies you know getting the, hated on um yeah, I was getting tired. We, I think a lot of us were. So this was just huge all of a sudden to lift us up. And I was like, wow. Um, and I do have, um, you know, faith. Um, so I saw the first first truck there uh, was Jesus is King. And that is the truck that led the, the Windsor convoy. And I was like, well, this, like, this is, you know, God's sign right here. So something is happening. Um, so we did um, probably about three laps, like to Ambassador Bridge and, you know, um, did that probably about three times. And it was just incredible, like just seeing all the people come out, um, the, you know, the individual cars, like the personal cars, the the big rigs, people on the side, you know, it was just, it was kind of, you know, a foreshadowing of what to expect on, you know, when we headed into Ottawa, but it was incredible. So I was like, okay, I need to go to Ottawa. So in the time being, and I'm sure many people did, um, I downloaded, um, oh, now I'm forgetting the, um, the name of it, um, the, the app to keep track of the CB radio chats and um, yeah, it'll come now, to now you screwed me up because you said uh, that, but, uh, someone will say it in the comments, but yes, yes. Zello, that's it. Zello. I knew it started yes. with a Z, but I was like trying to blank. I tried to, I tried to block Zello from my mind. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah. way too much, 
way too much uh, talk on Zello and wild goose chases when I was in Ottawa. But uh, oh yeah, because you would have experienced that a lot oh, longer than I did. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. But, I, uh, I just had it for like that week leading up. Yes, yeah, it served yeah. purposes. And I just, I remember like hearing the kids, you know, calling in to talk to the truckers and hearing they're like, you know, traveling across the country. And it just like kept building up the momentum. I was like, oh my gosh, like me and my boys were like hooked, like all day in the morning, like listening and getting this built up. And then I didn't know who I was going with to Ottawa. I was like trying to find people. But like I said, there was something, um, some people that didn't just get the memo like myself like luckily i went to windsor um people are like yeah okay sounds cool um but luckily i found two other people to go with because i was like i'm going by myself if i have to but i left on the thursday with the south convoy um you know ended up in kingston that we all um came in you know you would have been a part of that so then we all came in and made our way towards wellington and i remember at that time it was like turn right and you're not leaving turn left if you want to get around i was like well with where we are we're turning left um but just even driving right like the the overpowered passes in southern ontario like um being a part of that it was just uh, indescribable like um experience just seeing the kids um on the overpasses like down the sides people you know having fires in the middle of nowhere like i saw this one older woman just on the side of the highway by herself just you know didn't want to miss this experience this like historic moment um it was just so powerful you know um <laughs> it's hard to put it in yeah, words I, right? can, I can imagine especially for someone who'd been at this uh you know at, as i said before i was just one of those people who sat on my couch and complained with my friends as we broke all the rules uh, <laughs> and that was the extent of my standing up was just ignoring all the rules uh but for you are right out there and your reputation was getting ripped apart and your career was on the line. And then to see so many coming together, I can, I can only imagine the, the encouragement uh, that that was uh, for you and for all of those who'd been fighting for so long to, uh, to see a change in this. And, you know, many people, they say, Oh, you, you guys didn't do anything, but uh, I think you'll agree that uh, it's not coincidence that all the mandates started to drop uh, after we were in Ottawa and they started to drop uh, fairly quickly, other than Trudeau, who is uh, vindictive and refuses to uh, to budge because he was embarrassed um, by us. But uh, all the other mandates uh, dropped and just these federal ones that they're holding on to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> we're hopeful that uh, we continue to put this pressure on and and see that that drop as well, too. And uh, and then, yeah, I, I heard you you got up and spoke a few times. So. Mm -hmm. um yeah you were i guess people in the movement already kind of knew who you were and invited you up to to share your story mm -hmm. yeah so i spoke on the first sunday um of that that weekend when everyone kind of gathered and um i think i started almost like crying on the stage just to look out and um see everyone there and i was talking to a nurse out in the uk um, some people might have known her, um, um, Jenna Platt, she was, her name is that nurse who asked questions and she literally walked across the UK with a sandwich board on her shoulders for six, over 60 days. Um, you know, just saying you know, nurses are scared to ask questions and just trying to bring awareness and start this conversation. And she just always felt so alone trying to do what she could. And then, you know, even when they saw what was happening with the truckers in, in Canada, she was so emotional and um, exactly how I felt. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, we're not alone. And it's even just the enormity of the size of the trucks, just this, how symbolic that is to like, we are not alone. And um, I am cause like, <laughs> I start crying cause thinking of her and what she went through 
Um, it was just that it was incredibly emotional and they even hosted like a whole thing um, for Canada at their um, Canadian embassy in the UK. And I know lots of places around the world did, but you know, they felt so connected to what we were doing as well for their own sacrifice. And um, the entire eye, like the entire world um, eyes were on Canada. We became this beacon of light and this beacon of hope. And I was honored and, and, and blessed and, you know, God's will that I was allowed to speak on stage and, and hopefully bring messages of hope and inspiration and, you know, where we're, we're heading to. And it was, it was just an incredible experience to see Canadians from East, West, North, South, literally all across um, our great country come together, united um, with so much love for that amount of time. Like, how does that happen? How do people for that amount of time stay so loving and positive and willing to give their shirt off their back to their fellow neighbor? Um, like the cleaning of the streets, the garbages, the shoveling of the snow, the hockey games. And every time there was a challenge, we came up with a solution. And how powerful is that? Just to know when we are put in these positions, when we are connected and we are um, working with love in our hearts, I always kept saying, you know, the Care Bear stare, that we kept, <laughs> we kept overcoming every mm -hmm. obstacle that they um, put at us. And there's so many lessons that I think that we need to learn from Ottawa um, moving forward. It was definitely a very, very powerful historic moment in Canada. And it was... Um, not for nothing. It was, it was, it was everything. Yeah, no, definitely. It was, it was hugely powerful. And, uh, and like I said, no coincidence that, uh, the, uh, the mandate started to fall like house of cards after, after all that and a massive shift to certainly to the conservative party of Canada, seeing that of it's interesting watching these leadership candidates kind of jump over each other to some degree to, to support the, the freedom movement. And uh, what, what we weren't allowed to talk about not too long ago is now basically mainstream. I mean, I saw a news article there of uh, talking about someone, I believe he was from out West, who's the first to receive compensation for a vaccine injury. And um, I mean, even to this day, the fact I just said vaccine injury might flag my video uh, for demonetization, and uh, and yet you have this. The the government essentially has admitted that this mm -hmm. injury happened because of the vaccine, and then he's going to be compensated uh, because of that. And uh, he's just the first of what, no doubt, will be many more. And yeah, and if there's there's people dissenters in the comments, you can look that up. I don't have the link handy, but it, it was going around there. It made uh, big news that uh, he he ended up with a serious reaction, and now he's going to be compensated and it was only it wasn't too long ago that uh i couldn't say that that mm -hmm. uh, i mean there's there's media influencers i know that accounts were deleted because they suggested that there might be injuries yeah. caused by the vaccine which is crazy because every you know every medicine has side effects i mean e even even advil can yeah there's except for this one except for <laughs> any except for any immunization like this goes back this isn't like a new war this one is just like um out in our like everyone's like eyesight um because this has been going on like you know parents mothers have been fighting this for for decades i mean you can even go back to the, i think the 1940s when they first put one like having protests against you know immunizations it's just um i don't i don't want to say thankfully whatever the right word is that now it's just finally being brought to a bigger scale where hopefully we can actually look at like all of these um all of them well, I hate it's just it's like playing it's treating people like they're they're dumb. It's like, oh, 
let's let's just pretend that there's there's no side effects because we're going to push this on people. Just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> of course, all of. I mean, anyone who knows anything, like I said, even even Advil has uh, potential yes. side effects. I mean, the most tame of things. I mean, if you drink too much water, there's actually side effects. You could there is an amount of water you could drink which is too much, and all of these things have have uh, have pluses and minuses to some degree. And uh, it's just insane to say that no, 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 perfectly safe, perfectly safe, hundred <laughs> percent, you're fine. And it's just treating people like they're dumb because yes. they just want to like trick you into. Oh, oh, it's like, we'll, we'll ask for forgiveness rather than permission. And I just hate that of treating people like they're stupid. And I mean, I grew, I've grown up with, 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 um, tradespeople and um, farmers and blue collar workers and, uh, and that class of people. And I see the upper classes and this, these sciencey people, uh, talking to us like we're idiots, like we don't know anything and they just need to, oh, we need to, to keep these these low lowlies in line and tell yeah. them what to do and how to behave, or they'll be a danger to themselves and they'll be a danger to others. And all these you know it's because we're a danger to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, the, but this, this treating people like they're stupid. I, I hate that. It really bothers me yeah. um, because, because what you do for a living or, or what background you come from, none of these things determine uh, even your, your, your IQ doesn't, uh, fully determine your intelligence or the ability to to think for yourself, and then we know from even and I've worked with as special needs people, and and yes, they require more help, but you don't force things upon you. Still, you know what what shirt do you want to wear today, and 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 help them through these things, and and what like we know that we need to let people think for themselves and use their own judgment and teach them how to think for themselves, and like with kids where we journey through and teach them how to think for themselves. And, and what I hate that I've seen from this, this increasingly dictatorial government is no government knows best. Government knows how to raise your kids best. Government knows how to treat you at your health care. They know how to educate you better. Just just comply and everything will be fine. And we say, no, thanks. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> rant over <laughs> yeah no it's okay it's a necessary rant it's so true i mean it's just it's just keeping us controlled and weak and in victim mentality and we know that we are so much more than that um and that's what they fear they fear us recognizing our power and taking it back and um being free beings and that's what we have to remember we actually are free beings and we dictate this not them mm. mm -hmm. Um, I'd, I'm curious to hear about, I, I read a few articles that, that you've been pushing back with some legal challenges. Do you want to tell us about that? I'm specifically looking at here, article with the CBC, that three Ontario nurses disciplined for social media posts related to pandemic launch a $1 million libel suit. Um, can you tell us a bit uh, about that and, and what you're trying to do through that? Yeah, so that was um, after the hospital rallies in September 1st when we got, um, again, shredded um, by the media. I wish that we could have done the previous ones, like back my first one, November, and then the DC one, um, but we didn't find our legal team in time. And unfortunately, it's only 30 days. You have 30 days. Well, it froze me funny. Oh, I'm just pulling up the article here. Oh, okay. Look at my face. <laughs> I froze. Okay. Oh, you're still there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not on my screen. Am I like normal on your end? Uh, you're fine for me. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just oh. keep going with it. You're fine over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's awkward. Um, 
Um, so yeah, you have 30 days to file a defamation um, suit. Um, so unfortunately, we couldn't do it for the other ones. But um, this one was, yeah, we're suing CBC, um, the Canadian Nurses Association, and uh, a media company out west. And I forget what their um, name is. They wrote an article about us called Quack, Quack, Quack. Um, basically, just totally um, just slanderous. Um, so that, news. Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm just reading the article so I'm cheating. Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, that one was bad, the quack, quack, quack. Um, so that one has been filed. It's in the courts. I guess we're just waiting. I don't know how this process works. So it has been filed. Um, they know. So I guess we're just waiting to, to how to proceed. Um, I got 11 summons in 21, 10 in 21, 1 in 22. Um, so 11 summons for speaking at rallies. Um, so all of those are still going to court. Five of them have been withdrawn. Six of them look like they're going to trials. Um, so still dealing with those summons as well. Um, and then we do still have a case against the, the federal government about invoking the Emergency, Emergency Measures Act. So that case is still also ongoing right now, plus our College of Nurses stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's so important to, to have that legal uh, pushback Thanks there, Mr. Sunshine Baby. <laughs> Guys, check out Mr. Sunshine Baby if you don't already. Big fan, Jasper. Um, that uh, It's so important to have that pushback because they can't be allowed to just get off without nothing. And we see this, this is going on uh, certainly across the U.S. We've seen a number of examples of this and, uh, and tons of it here. Um, especially with the CBC, just just outright lies. I mean, many of my viewers will know about Martin Engelhart and this whole story where they said that that we robbed him of, of thousands and we oh, bankrupt yes. him. Yeah, yes. but I mean, I as soon as I saw that article, I said, wait a minute, that's that guy that I e-transferred a thousand bucks because he said he was sleeping in his his van. And then I found out with like five minutes of research and a few text messages that I wasn't the only one and that uh, I was quickly able to determine in in a few text messages I came up with like like 15 to 20,000 that I was aware of that had been uh, because different groups transferred him money and individuals and people trying to help him. And I quickly realized, <laughs> no, the only one uh, being scammed right here was us. Well, and yet, yeah. yeah, the CBC to this day, that article is still up there. They're still insisting that that's uh, true, that uh, that Martin Engelhart was scammed by the convoy, even though repeated media outlets and myself included have all uh, pointed out that this is just outright lies. And uh, and over and over again, the messages from especially from the CBC have been proven to be lies over and over again. They accused uh, uh, of uh, Russian interference and they accused of American interference and they just anything to refuse the truth. <laughs> that it was just a bunch of regular Canadians, <laughs> which is like, which is what you and me are. We're just regular people who were living our lives and working our jobs until uh, we were forced to all of a sudden become spokesperson for basic human freedoms, yes. which is not something we ever thought we'd have to do in this country um, of, you know, <laughs> don't don't poke me when I don't want to be poked. Like, exactly. I mean, I learned that on the playground and my mom used to tell me, don't poke, you know, don't poke other people. So if they don't want to be poked, then don't poke them. Um, yeah. So unless you both consent to being poked, then you don't <laughs> poke each other, right? No, um, <laughs> no, exactly. 
I mean, that's what some of the mama, like, that's what, you know, you, you say, like, don't poke the mama bear, because that's what they have done, too. Like, you, you, pick, you definitely mess with the wrong group of people right there. And don't poke the mama's kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, and that, that was, like, um, quite, um, yeah, like, therapeutic for me in Ottawa was to be able to kind of um, go after CPC, which ended up going viral, that video of me kind of questioning them and um yeah i don't know that was that was very emotional to be able to kind of actually speak you know some truth about what they did to me and ask them questions and it was very um telling their answers about you know they they're not allowed to speak truth yeah well i i really hope you find success in in that defamation suit because yes they can't there needs to be some uh, accountability and i mean maybe even one success isn't going to fix it but we need to keep going after. And I, I hope many other uh, spokespeople uh, who've been attacked like you have uh, continue to push back because it's not, and I'm sure it's not about the the, the money for no. you as much as it's about the, the principle. And it needs to be shown that yes, they lied about me. They knowingly lied about me and they, they attacked my character. And, and that's not, the news is supposed to tell news. It's not supposed to attack people for political reasons or, or whatever the case. And so I, yeah, I do wish you all the best of success on that. And I hope there's many more to come. Yes, many because, more. I hope so. <laughs> because <laughs> the way needed. that they, they dragged everyone through through the mud is just horrendous. Um, and, uh, and, and people like you who spoke up early, uh, you definitely got the, the worst of it. Because when there was 100,000 people in Ottawa speaking out, well, then it was more they ripped on the con convoy as a whole. But when it was smaller groups, they really tried to, you know, pull you guys apart and, and break you down. So, mm -hmm. and like, what do you, I'm curious with, with, without getting too, um, into the weeds, like, so how do we go from my body, my choice, uh, to, um, my body, your choice, you know, the government's choice to, to do this. And, and why is this something that they're so adamant about, you know, when there's other things that, for example, it was this liberal government that that legalized marijuana, and their big argument was, well, you know, let people decide what they if they want to do that, and then and with the same breath trying to to force this upon people. And and what do you what do you think that is going on there? I'm curious. Oh, I don't know. That depends on how deep you really want to like go into that one. <laughs> um, it's definitely another factor of just keeping us, um, uh, as I mentioned before, weak and controllable. And, you know, you can kind of like go deep into, you know, is it, I, I don't think this is, I think there's something else coming, you know, Mark, Mark of the Beast, but it is going to have a tie in, I believe, because there's enough like um, research and things out there tying it in um, to this digital, you know, the digital um, ID, the um, digital banking, this digital world, this transhumanism. I mean, that's not um, a secret. They have the biodivergence plan on the um, Canadian government website. It is quite terrifying if you read through mm -hmm. and what they're actually saying that is. And I mean, and that's on the, the government um, website right there. If people haven't looked into that. Just Google like um, Canada government biodivergence. And I think it is all going to be like tied into that. And for whatever reason, um, Canada has um, fallen into a, a really dark place um, in terms of obviously the leadership and like what is happening in this country. But I do feel that um, 
all this corruption is being exposed. And for whatever reason, Canada is the one being used at this global level. And I do feel that Canada will come out of this and will be, again, just like we were in the convoy, this beacon of um, hope and light for the world and that we will come, um, you know, for the nations off of this. I, I do feel God is using Canada for his greater good. I think we have to go through a lot of crap and challenges and hardship, um, unfortunately, in the meantime. But I do have like so much faith that for whatever reason, Canada is being used, but we are going to be the one that kind of like unites and brings the, the nations together. And uh, I just want to acknowledge uh, Susan there says, Kristen Nagel, you are a brave and wonderful Canadian standing up for freedom and with a number of hearts and smiley faces. No, so, <laughs> and thank you, Susan, uh, for the super chat. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think it's safe to say, uh, control is a pretty good general term to use. Definitely for, control, surveillance, yeah. all of it, and just keeping us as numbers. Control yeah. is like the gist. Yeah, and I mean, uh, and and the whole legalizing weed. I mean, it ties into it in a sense because that's uh, it, it. It chills people out and and keeps them from <laughs> causing too much trouble. And then um, so, yeah, it's interesting when you get into. And I have to be careful with all these things because we still, although we're more free on YouTube than we used to be, then, uh, you know, it's still, uh, we got to be cautious. But I do think there's other uh, things going on. It comes around to control and uh, and they do want to, to control. And there, there's also, I'd say when it comes to uh, these ongoing federal mandates specifically, there's also just vengeance. And, and yeah. I see a lot of that from <laughs> yes. Trudeau. He had his agenda, whatever exactly that agenda might be. Um, the ways he wanted to control Canadians, the, the truckers uh, beat him and they, they woke the country up yeah. and now he uh, resents them for it. And his one little facet of power there with the, the travel mandates and the federal workers, he's just holding on to that for, for dear life. And, uh, and we need to keep uh, pushing against that because when, I mean, he showed his cards, you know, you know what the guy's up to, you know what this whole government is up to they're going to want to increase control they don't think whatever you think the reasons are they don't think that we can make wise decisions for ourselves and they need to control us that that we're just a bunch of of of, of foolish low classes who don't know how to take care of themselves and it's up to our great uh, our great leaders to care for us <laughs> yeah. whether we want to be cared for or not no. um no thank you uh, I'm fine. Thank you yeah. very much, Trudeau. Very sweet of you to think about me, though. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> and, and another thing I'm curious, just as I like to, with talking to people in medicine, what 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 did you actually see when you were in, in the hospitals and talking to your, your colleagues? Because we were shown, you know, very concerning images and lots of scary stuff. And it was we were bursting at the seams. I mean, one thing many Canadians will know is we're always close yeah. to bursting at the seams, but what did it actually look like during this time, you know, in our healthcare system? <laughs> Empty. <laughs> so even though I was um, in the NICU, we had an overflow floor. So they closed off the gynecology wing um, for overflow um, COVID patients. That wing just stayed empty for months upon months, like nothing happened. So you can imagine all the actual gynecology um, appointments or patients or people that needed that care, again, that got added to the list of cancellations and delays and, and things like that. So that stayed absolutely empty. 
our respiratory therapists were told to get ready that they were gonna end up getting called down to the adult ICU um, when things got like really busy um, and they needed extra staff. Um, our respiratory therapists never left our unit. They never got called down because it never got busy down there. The ERs were empty um, to the point it was really unfortunate actually um, people were so scared to come to the ERs because they thought it was like overflowing with the, you know, with COVID, um, that they stayed home and didn't call for the help they needed. And in some cases, in particular with a heart attack, for some people, it was too late. And like, that's what the fear did to people too, is that they actually kept the ones that needed help, um, from receiving it. Um, but we did we did things um, to the parents that I thought were just like horrendous in the NICU, um, masking laboring mothers. Um, you know, there's so many people um, that their partners were not allowed in their birthing room with them um, if they didn't have you know this in, injection. That kind of got later on, but at the beginning, um, so say for a C-section, mother would go in. The partner was not allowed to be in the room with her even though there's like eight other medical staff, um, the one partner, the, the father of the child was not allowed to be in the room. And I say like, if sometimes it happens in emergency, the mother had to go under um, general anesthetic, both parents missed the birth of their baby. Um, I just think that was absurd to me. Um, we only allowed one parent at the bedside at all times, like one visitor. And so you can imagine like these 23 week old um, premature babies, it's a very scary time. There's a lot of grief that's taking place. There's a lot of information and only one of them are allowed at the bedside to take all of this in. And that, that alone is traumatic. Some were not able to see their own kids. Same with um, the antenatal wing. Um, um, some mothers were there for a couple weeks to months and they had to pick one visitor, the same visitor. That was it that was allowed to come into the antenatal wing to see them. So they'd go for months, um, some of them without seeing maybe their own children or, you know, their own parents or whoever. Uh, it, it was just, <laughs> it was like sickening um, what we were doing to these families um, in the name of health. Yeah. No, and uh it's it's always interesting to hear from from another uh, person in healthcare because there's in it, just in my own kind of friend circles and that's not guarantee of anything but I, I press friends on it and and some of them were more uh, you know supportive of uh, the freedom movement than others but they would they would all say that uh, it, yeah like you said there's lots of space now some would argue that you know there was they were leaving that it was important that they left that space in case it got worse and, and they can justify it in different ways. But I haven't had anyone say, no, 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 it was packed to the gills. It was impossible to work. Uh, I haven't heard that from anyone. There were times it, it got quite full, but they many people would say that that's the same in in any uh, through mm -hmm. the winter, especially that happens a lot. I mean, and I've looked at numbers seeing that there there were other winters where the 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 average capacities uh, was is even higher that there mm -hmm. was more people in there than and like you said these people missing their surgeries and it's going to be years before we can fully break down the numbers of uh, you know the the losses and gains as far if it's purely about saving lives then um, it's going to be a long time for us to look at that and that doesn't take into account the deaths of despair and all these other factors that yeah. we can't 
think about. I, I was just talking to a friend before I came on here, uh, his younger brother who spent most of his high school career uh, not in class. He's struggling to make friends. He, he, he struggles to even communicate socially, and that's leading him to, to become quite depressed and, and just not things that he, he should have been out playing hockey. He should have been out uh, being with his friends. He should have been out being a teenager. And uh, instead, he's, he's, he's struggling with his mental health. And, and uh, yeah, there, it, there's just no, there's no way to grasp uh, all yeah. the, the sheer damage that this has done. And, uh, and yeah, we, we pray that it never happens again. And, and like I said, with, with you know, the lawsuit that you're doing, uh, I think that's important that there needs to be real consequences for, for those who helped cause what we're facing now. And, uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for your organization for continuing to speak up. Uh, when, when's your next, uh, event that people might see you at or taking part in? Um, I've been kind of just on a little bit of a refocusing <laughs> mm. myself. So I kind of just had to step back a bit from um, the speaking and the rallies and events like that. But um, the Sarah and our team will be at an event in Hamilton on June 25th. It is a gym that has like stayed open and gone against, you know, um, the, the mandates. And so they're hosting kind of a, almost like a, you know, kind of like a reopening, like just gathering people back to let them know, you know, they are still here um, with food trucks and the nurses will be there with their booth and it should be great. Um, then they go on tour for three weeks across um, the East. And then we should be having some fall events, like I said, where nurses get to kind of showcase their expertise and specialties and the public can come learn from them and, and connect. So I'm kind of more um, been local lately um, in my hometown. I just found I, I talk a lot, um, you know, when I speak about forming communities, becoming self-sufficient, uh, you know, um, finding ways to remove the leverage that the powers that be have over us, like having any, you know, ties um, that we might have to get take back our power. And I found the more I continue to speak about this, um, I wasn't doing it myself because it's hard to, to do it all. And I just found after Ottawa, that to me, after the last two years was the, the the peak, the pivotal moment. It was incredible, right up even to the end as as horrific and hard um, those final days were. Um, it just, you know, the, the world watched. And I just felt it was time to take the lessons that I learned in Ottawa and make change here in my community, like in my home, with my family, with my neighborhood, and, and continue to make um, massive change here at a local level because that's what's going to continue to um, push us and move us forward throughout the next several years. And uh, yeah, just want to thank uh, Broken Arrow there for, for the super chat. Appreciate that. Um, I also saw on your website that people might find interesting if they've enjoyed uh, this discussion and other ones about medicine is you, you have a, um, there's a podcast there that you're promoting. The Ask, Ask the Nurses podcast airs weekly on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. You want to tell us what that's all about or what you guys cover in that podcast? Yeah, so that was um, brought on with uh, Nicole Sirotek and Catherine Story. They're two girls that I spoke in Washington with. Um, and it started last I don't know, last March, a year, a year ago now, when they started to mandate the masks on kids, when they're actually telling kids no mask, no voice. 
and we're like, you know, this, this has to end. Like we can't allow this to happen. So we gathered people together to speak about this and then it's um, kind of evolved um, from there. So we bring in different, um, different nurses doing um, alternative care or their own businesses. We bring on many doctors. We had um, Dr. Artis on before his big de debut, um, but we, we do get a lot of um, different healthcare professionals on. We've had Dr. Ely on, which is helping um, to detox the spike proteins and adverse um, reactions and injury. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, so we're just trying to create a platform of education and challenging the norms and bringing in new concepts. Great. Yeah. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, it looks like you're on Spotify there. So if you go to uh, CanadianFrontlineNurses.ca and then you click on uh, the, where, where, where did I get to it from here? Yeah. The, oh yeah. On about and then podcast. And then it's the ask the nurses podcast and you can get it on Spotify there. So yeah, that's a, that's a great concept because I know there's a number of uh, people in, in medicine who, who watch the show and uh, always appreciate when I talk to other people in medicine. So that's a great way to connect. And then if you're uh, an RN or an RPN, you can also join uh, Canadian frontline nurses and uh, get connected with some other uh, like-minded folks. And um, I assume you have a newsletter there that people can sign on to and uh, yeah, get updates on what you guys are up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a newsletter. And then when the nurses do sign up, they um, get to be a part of our um, bi-weekly Monday Zoom calls, again, where we bring on kind of guest speakers in a more private approach for people to ask questions and, and learn in, in that setting. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, by the way, for bringing all these things up. I'm terrible about like, this stuff. <laughs> no, that's my job. No, <laughs> yeah. I ask the questions and uh, just keep you going along. So, um, yeah, is there uh, any anything else you, you want to cover there uh, before I let you go? No, I think that's it. I just know that um, I don't know if people are still, like, losing hope or just enjoying this bit of freedom that we're having. Uh, I just – I think it's just so important um, to – take pauses sometimes um, because we can run ourselves um, to the point of exhaustion and we know that this is a marathon not a sprint so mm -hmm. it's just important to take care of yourself if you need to take a break from social media take a break from social media it doesn't mean that you're giving up or that you know you're not being a part of it a, a lot of it is kind of you know it is the same noise and i think there's a lot to be said with experiencing life and living by example and so that's the part that i am focusing on now and that might not be for you i'm just kind of sharing that it is okay if you are exhausted and, and need a break so um one of the things that i worked on um this spring was i turned well i did a big vegetable garden in my backyard but i turned my entire front lawn into a garden and so working outside and being in the front um, with people walking by has like opened up um, so many conversations. So I call it like my, my re rebellion garden, um, just, you know, because <laughs> it's just right there, you know, food. And but it allows you to have conversations. And sometimes we take for granted how important those one on one conversations are. So people can see you like living your life, see you as a neighbor, see you as a friend, and then be more open to asking questions and being open-minded and it doesn't always have to be big and grandiose um sometimes it just starts with being compassionate and starting conversation and being able to answer questions or or listen mm -hmm. yeah and and definitely encouraging 
people to to take that time. I've I have a number number of friends who are deeply involved in this, and uh, <laughs> my one friend called me, uh, and uh, he'd been up for like. 40 hours or something because he had like one call to the next and then he went to work and then he was like up all night working on something and then up again the next day um the poor guy is just uh working his tail off and uh yeah you need to like you said it's a marathon not a sprint and uh and i've had friends remind me of that too and just yeah pacing yourself and um that unfortunately this is not going to be over tomorrow and uh, but we are winning and I mm-hmm. see change happening slowly but surely more and more of the truth is coming to light that uh, they can't hold it down forever. And like I said, that article came out about uh, the individual who was seriously injured by the jab. And we're going to see more stories like that coming out, more and more questions about the handling of the convoy. Uh, this this whole investigation is not going well for Trudeau into the convoy and the in, in implant implementation of the emergency act was just completely without cause the police are saying we didn't ask for it so who did ask for it well it looks like it just came from justin trudeau himself which is not the definition of emergency when when justin trudeau is mad about something and, and takes a hissy fit that's not when the emergency order comes in um shocker i know but uh so yeah we're hopeful these things will continue to come to light uh, yourself, others have, have lawsuits in the works. They, there's legal challenges against these um, unlawful firings of people. And, uh, but it is a marathon and we need to keep, uh, keep pushing forward, keep showing up, keep getting the truth out there. And, um, and people are increasingly waking up to this. And, uh, and the mainstream media can only ignore it <laughs> for yeah, so long yeah. that, uh, that these things are just reality and they're facts and they need to be uh, highlighted. So, yeah, and uh, some Absolutely. people call me naive, and uh, that. Uh, but I'd I'd like to take a glass half full approach on this, and I am hopeful that we're continuing to uh, to make progress here, and and it's all thanks uh, very much to to people like you who who took that bullet for us very early on, and were willing to put your whole reputation on the line, and uh, but uh, for what you believed in and for that cause of freedom, and so thank you so much uh, for doing that, and uh, and many people might not might not know you and, and might not know what all uh, you've done, but uh, I've had so many people share that, that you were one of those strong voices that was speaking up very early. Uh, and so thank you for doing that for us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I'm hopeful too. Um, I, I, yes, I think, I think what has happened has been, you know, like as sorry, shitty as possible. I know I was, wasn't supposed to swear. Hopefully that one's okay. It's, a- it's been, it's been awful, but I think it's all leading us to exactly where we need to be. I know it's like, you know, made changes in my life that's leading me to places I never thought I would be, you know, even with like my, my children. And it's just, it's leading us on a path where I think is going to be, you know, better in the, the long run for our future generations. And I think, you know, we're getting shooken up from this sleepiness that we've all been in for, for mm-hmm. decades prior to this. And, you know, stopping us in our tracks, being like, you will not continue on this path of destruction anymore. It's time to move into, you know, creating this like beautiful um, new reality that we get to participate in. And I do find it super exciting. And I know that we are winning and I know it's going to be amazing. It's just hard and difficult starting new paths, but it's all going to be worth it. 
Well, I'll let you get. I I hear the kids calling in sorry. the background. So no, <laughs> no. I, I I love. I never complain about the the sound of of, of kids uh, being kids. So uh, I'll let you get to them, get them put to bed, and thank you so much for for joining us tonight, uh, Kristen. And uh, encourage you guys to check out uh, CanadianFrontlineNurses.ca and uh, and and check out some of the work that she's up to. So thank you again. Thank you Kristen. so much. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank yeah, you. Take care. Bye. Good night. Great. Well, that that was really uh, special, and um, yeah, it's always great to talk to someone in the in the healthcare field. And you know, there's many people who always throw accusation at you of, oh, well, you don't know what's going on there and such. But um, well, here's someone who who is in the middle of it all, who was in the middle of it all, and had her questions about it and spoke up, and then got booted. And this is something we see a lot of. It's like, well, you're you're a opinion is important as long as we agree with you and as long as you're saying the same things that we're saying and if you don't say what we're saying then we kick it out and and of course that's that's how they end up with these statements of oh that we all agree on this well of course we all agree on this if you kick everyone else out who disagrees and uh, that actually reminds me of um i posted on twitter today and um let me find the post here yeah, so this is um, um, from my local school board in the Waterloo Regional District School Board, and uh, they have been working at uh, silencing um, Mr. Ramsey here, who's uh, Mike Ramsey, who's one of their school board trustees, has been for like four terms or something like that, I believe. And they're Mike, and this is interesting because he's the only uh, black trustee on an otherwise white school board. And I'll just read my tweet here. My local school board is attempting to silence their only black trustee for not being a social justice warrior like them. Apparently the Waterloo district school board only likes black people who agree with them. I've reached out to Mr. Ramsey and plan to have him on my show. So yeah, Mike Ramsey is actually uh, a personal friend of uh, my father and uh, they used to work together. And uh, so I've, I've reached out to him and hopefully be able to get him on the show to, to hear the whole details. But as I understand, he uh, spoke out on the Waterloo Regional District School Board um, against some of these um, or he and he shared some tweets. I know shocking to share tweets uh, supportive of uh, a pushback against some of this social justice Um the uh, what do they even call it? Uh, intersectionality, all this mumbo jumbo stuff, and uh, gender uh, race theory, whatever the case. And so he said things that he's not supposed to say. And now they have voted to not let him speak until September. So he's been silenced from contributing to school board meetings until uh, September. And uh, yeah, so all the all the white people are silencing the one black trustee on the school board because he said things that they disagree with. And like, you know, these things, it's, it, it probably should be more shocking, but we're so, we're so used to this kind of thing because it just keeps happening over and over again. And, uh, and, and, and just like um, Kristen experienced of where, oh, listen to the nurses, listen to the healthcare providers. Oh, but don't listen to that one. We don't like that one. Let's kick her out. And so it's listen to people of color, listen to their lived experience, but not Mike Ramsey. We don't like Mike Ramsey. Silence him, kick him out, uh, says all the, the white people on the school board. So yeah, that is a real thing that's going on in my community um, that they have one black school trustee on their board 
and uh, all the the white people have decided to kick him out because they don't like the way he thinks. And uh, so I'm going to hopefully get him on the show soon to uh, tell you more about that uh, because it's just it's it's ridiculous. But like I said, uh, we're we're unfortunately getting uh, (laughs) used to this um, by now. And uh, yeah, I also just wanted to highlight that the how the prime minister stole freedom is still sitting at number one on amazon.ca which is exciting so this is a actually a clip from the national post uh first reading the trudeau's parody topping the amazon bestsellers list and actually it also references this issue here also a diversity-minded ontario school board kicks out its only black trustee and that's actually in reference to my local school board uh so two things uh close to my heart here in one headline Uh, So the How the Prime Minister Stole Freedom, we had the author Derek Smith on yesterday. You can check out that uh, episode where he shares about uh, getting involved in writing and that whole process. And he's still sitting at number one on the uh, Amazon.ca bestsellers list. And then also the subheading, a diversity-minded Ontario school board kicks out its only black trustee. Uh, And I saw a joke a while ago that the Babylon Bee is going to go to business because the news itself is so... It's already parody. Like that headline, a diversity-minded Ontario school board kicks out its only black trustee. That sounds like it should be a headline from the Babylon Bee. But no, that's a headline from the National Post. And uh, we're going we're gonna to struggle to do parody future because uh, the, the, the truth is stranger action, it would seem. Um, anything else I wanted to highlight? Yeah, there's the, the article there from the uh, CTV News in Kitchener. Uh, about Mike Ramsey being kicked off the school, well, being silenced on the school board. I, he's uh, uh, because he was insufficiently committed to intersectional social justice, and I am not, um, I am not educated enough, I guess, to fully understand what intersectional social justice is. Uh, but uh, Mike's a good guy. I've met him. Good friend of my dad. And uh, if he says that it's uh, a load of uh, baloney, then I'll take his word for it uh, and certainly shouldn't be silenced. Uh, also, um, Trudeau is destroying Canada is, uh, as of a couple hours ago, was trending in uh, in Canada. It was, it was trending in politics and it was number one trend in Canada wide at one point. Trudeau is destroying Canada, hashtag, uh, which is great to see. Good to see the, the world waking up to that. And, uh, and more people in Canada catching on that Trudeau is indeed destroying this great country. We love our country. We are not anti-Canadian. We are very pro-Canadian. Um, but it's time that Justin Trudeau steps down and stops destroying this nation. And uh, so, yeah, just wanted to highlight those couple articles there for you. And then reminder, James Top is uh, coming to Ottawa June 30th. He's expected to arrive. I've got confirmation that next week... I'm going to be able to have uh, a member of Veterans for Freedom, a spokesperson from them, is going to join me on my show next week to uh, start giving out the full details of how that arrival is going to work. And we'll have a poster that we can start sharing out. So as soon as that goes live, be sure to share that out everywhere. It's going to have uh, how that arrival is going to work. There's going to be areas where you can view his arrival and participate in that way. And that should be coming out 
uh, mid next week and I'll get one of the spokespeople from Veterans for Freedom on my show and uh, and get that information out there uh, via flyers as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, James Top arriving in Ottawa June 30th and the flyer with the information should be coming out next week. Uh, thank you to all those who've been writing letters to Pat King. I got so many messages from people who are going to send letters of encouragement. Uh, I did a video the other day. You can look back and see. There was one with Melissa where Melissa shares her experiences of, of the struggle to go visit him and uh, the difficulties that he's facing. And then I did a short video just encouraging people to send letters of support to Pat as he's been in jail for over 100 days uh, without trial. And, uh, and it's starting to take a toll on him in many ways. And I wanted people to encourage him. And, uh, and yeah, ultimately, whatever he decides, um, I, would, I would personally never hold it against him for, for taking any sort of plea deal to, to get himself out. Um, and, but I'm encouraging people to write letters to, uh, that he would hold out against a plea deal, which would, would silence him in the way that's been done to Tamara and Chris, where they're, they're unable to speak out in support of the freedom movement. And, uh, I think it's important that, uh, Pat be able to continue to speak out for the freedom movement and should not be, uh, silenced simply for having, uh, viewpoints that others disagree with, including myself sometimes, which, which I've said, uh, there's things he said that I wouldn't always agree with, but he is free to continue to, uh, to speak his mind and to, to be a spokesperson. And, uh, so I wanted people to encourage him, of course, spending hundred days in jail for anyone is a, a very difficult uh, experience, but for someone who has done nothing deserving of that kind of treatment, uh, especially a terrible experience, and so if you want the uh, address, if you haven't sent a letter yet on the previous two videos regarding Pat King, the address is in the description and in the comments. You can get the address and you can send mail to him. And I'd love to see that prison flooded with encouragement for him. The, the guards read it. And so it will provide, you know, maybe make them think twice about what's going on there, too. And uh, a no doubt will give a lot of encouragement to, to Pat as he's still there. And who knows how long it's going to go on. I see Kimberly there has put the uh, address in in the chat there as well. So encourage you guys if you haven't already, uh, send a letter to Pat and uh, encourage him and uh, and thank him for uh, for holding out as as long as he he has. And uh, yeah, I don't think anyone can fully appreciate how difficult that is. And I did re- get a hold of a friend of um, Freedom George and. Uh, the latest news is that he has reached an agreement and will be released on June 15th. So that's next, uh, a week from today, uh, June 15th, Freedom George is expected to be released on bail. And uh, that is from uh, a friend of his who's been in touch with him. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, all the information I have about that. But as I understand, he will be transported back to Ottawa and uh, and then be released from Ottawa uh, on June 15th. And um, if I get any more information about that, I will let you guys know. But that's the most recent information I have. Uh, no word on uh, Pat, um, but uh, but George will be released on the 15th. And uh, yeah, and if you haven't already, encourage you guys to, to write letters of support uh, to um, Pat King, encouraging him to continue to hold out there and, uh, and yeah, it just, it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's so hard to even comprehend what that would be like. And I know he's someone who people have very strong feelings about, 
uh, one way or the other. But uh, for him to to be there after doing no more than than myself or anyone else did, um, we spoke out online. We helped uh, truckers. We delivered fuel. Um, but uh, he did it more successfully with, and he had a bigger online presence. And for that, he's being um, he's being held and uh, and mistreated for yeah over a hundred days. And enough is enough. And and it's just it needs to stop. And so encouraging guys to send your encouragement to him via letter because that's the only way he can get it. Um, yeah, I think I will leave it at that for tonight. Um, thank you guys for for tuning in. Um, yeah, I, this, I may be off line for a couple days here. I am helping to, uh, helping with a wedding. So I've got, um, got the rehearsal tomorrow and then I'm DJing the wedding on Friday. So that'll be good fun. DJ slider in the house (laughs) will be, uh, will be a good time for a good friend of mine. So I will be doing that. And then um, I was in touch, actually. Yeah, another thing with the uh, the families of the cadets who were branded. Uh, they are going on their flight on Sunday. And um, I'm not sure how much or how I'm going to cover it exactly. But at the very least, I'll have a few pictures from that event. We just want to try to protect uh, the identities of the kids. But we'll try to get a few uh, pictures uh, of of them with just uh, perhaps uh, not showing their identities but that flight is happening on sunday with uh, veterans for freedom facilitated it and got them a pilot and those kids who who were branded and segregated by the cadets program uh, will be going on a private flight uh, facilitated by veterans for freedom uh, which is awesome so <laughs> someone says live future now says live stream the wedding um yeah, maybe not. Maybe I'll give you a, maybe we'll give you a wee, maybe if you hop on Instagram, if you're on our Instagram, you can get a wee sample from, uh, from DJ Slider. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I could treat you guys there <laughs> uh, or a little YouTube short. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, should be, should be fun. Uh, it's so wonderful that we're able to do these things again, to come together. And I just, I've never felt uh, so encouraged every time I'm with a group of people and just reminded of, you know what, we, we took this for granted for so long and, uh, and I don't want to ever do that again. And I'm thankful for these times we have with the people we love and we say, yeah, thank you truckers. As the shirt says, (laughs) thank you truckers for that, that we're able to do that and, uh, and, and be together with uh, friends and family once again. Uh, great. Well, Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Thank you, the moderators. Uh, thank you so much to the Super Chats. Always really appreciate that. Um, you guys can uh, reach out, uh, as many of you do, with uh, there's there's email, uh, Facebook message, Instagram. I always appreciate it. I don't always get a chance to respond. Uh, I try to uh, read all of them and respond to as many as I can. And there is a P.O. box. Always appreciate your physical cards. Is always wonderful. And so I appreciate getting those. And so um, the P.O. box is listed, sorry, in the video description, uh, as well as on the about section of the uh, Facebook and YouTube pages. And so always appreciate those. Thank you to all you guys who reach out and support. Uh, Really uh, appreciate it. So, and uh, yeah, check us out. uh, If you don't already, appreciate the the subscribe and uh, Thank you for all you guys do. Christina there on the ball with the the P.O. box. (laughs) There you go. And uh, yeah, love you guys. Uh, Take care. 
and uh, keep hauling. Have a great night.